Welcome to The Healing Catalyst. I'm your host, Dr. Avanti Kumar Singh, and I know that Ayurveda can transform your life. How? Because it transformed mine. And the best part is, it's easier than you think. Your body has exactly what it needs to heal itself. All you need to do to enhance its healing power is to start practicing healthy routines, which I can teach you. In over 20 years of practicing both Western medicine and Eastern healing traditions, the most important thing I've learned is that healing is a journey we take together. So on this podcast, I'll be demystifying Ayurveda and other integrated medicine, showing how these simple, ancient practices are the keys to unlocking a healthy modern life. We are all healing catalysts because healing starts within. It starts with you and it starts right now. Let's get started. This is a Soulfire production. Episode number 35. Hello, hello, my lovely listeners. Wow, November is here and we're heading straight into the holidays. And although it might still look a little different than before, many of us are starting to meet friends and family in person again. I'm actually going to be driving to upstate New York to spend Thanksgiving with my family at my sister's country home in Hudson. My daughter Isha is flying across the country from California where she's in college. My son Zane is going to be flying with my parents from Chicago. And then me and my husband Kanwar are driving with our dog from Chicago so that we can all be together. We've actually never gone out of town for Thanksgiving before, but somehow this year it feels like the time to do it. And so after so many months of being physically distanced from family members and with parents who are aging, I've definitely made connection a priority, which brings me to the intention for November, heal through connection. Now, I know it's kind of cheesy and it might be a little predictable that I'd pick this as the intention for the month of November, but that's okay. I'm okay with it because I know that connection is so, so incredibly important for our healing and it's so important for health and well-being. I know this from my own personal experience, healing from depression and from my work with hundreds of people over the last 20 years. And yes, I'm talking about connection to others, but I'm also talking about connection in a more expansive way. You see, what I've experienced is that connection is multifaceted. It's about connection to other people, but it's also about connection to self and connection to nature and connection to something bigger than ourselves, however you define that. And so this month, I'd like to explore connection as a multifaceted modality of healing. And speaking of connection, before we dive into today's episode, I want to share a special event that I'll be doing on Thursday, December 9th at 6 p.m. Central that will provide a place for me to connect with all of you. It's an encore session of the Energy Reset Masterclass. During the masterclass, I'll be teaching you how to do an Ayurvedic mind-body-spirit reset from the comfort of your own home, which will help you really jumpstart your health goals for 2022. There's a link in the show notes to sign up. So I hope to connect with you there. Okay, so getting back to today's episode and the idea that connection is multifaceted. 
Now, the topic of connection to self was at the center of my conversation with my guest, Rosie Acosta, on today's episode of the podcast. Rosie is an inspirational speaker, yoga and meditation teacher, holistic health coach, and the host of Radically Loved Radio. Her purpose is to inspire people to move beyond their limitations. In our conversation today, Rosie shares her healing journey as a young girl growing up in East Los Angeles who struggled with depression, anxiety, and overeating during her teen years. She talks about finding books about yoga in the library, which transformed her life and opened her up to being guided by radical love. She tells us about the deep inner knowing the whisper of deep-seated potential within herself, telling her that she could have a different life than the one that seemed to be unfolding for her. Yoga offered her a ladder and she began to climb. Because of this direct root experience, Rosie's work stems from a place of deep authenticity. She doesn't pretend to have sprung from the womb of chanting mantras or doing mudras or even doing yoga poses. Her journey has been one that's been shaped by considerable hardship, which she speaks about openly. And that's what makes her so appealing and so authentic. And you just feel like you can connect with her. She's really, really effective at using yoga and mindfulness as tools, as a wellspring to draw from in order to help others access their potential and overcome adversity in the same way that she did for herself. I know that my conversation with Rosie will inspire you to experience the healing that comes from a deeper connection to yourself because the healer lies within. Rosie, thank you so much for being on my podcast. I am so excited and honored to have you after being on your podcast and just loving every moment of our conversation. So super excited to have you. Oh, thank you so much for having me. I'm, I'm just, I'm honored and I just love you so much. And I really loved our conversation on my podcast and it was just, it was awesome. And I love that we've kept in touch since. So so hopefully. Yes, definitely. Definitely. I love that we text each other every now and then just check in. So it's, you know, this whole podcast thing has been such an interesting journey for me because in some ways it's been one of the most nerve wracking things I've done. I can speak in front of thousands of people, but like recording podcasts was really, really stressful to me. Um, but you know, the, the gifts of it are the people that I'm meeting through it and the friendships that I'm developing. So thank you for that. But I'm so excited to dive in. You know, I did a lot of reading about you and and sort of your work and your journey. And I have so many questions. And, you know, one of the things I've really been thinking about is connection and mm-hmm. how that that connects to our healing. And so I really wanted to sort of frame this conversation we're going to have around this idea of connection. So I'd love to start with just asking you about your story and about your childhood, you know, just whatever you want to tell us about, but let's start there. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you for asking. God, there's so many things that come up when I think about the word connection, because it very much is a staple to the way that I like to live my life and really the basis for what radically loved is. So thank you. Yeah. For asking the question. So I grew up in a, in a very chaotic environment. It was East LA in the early nineties during the LA riots. There was a lot of gang violence, a lot of 
chaos. And basically, uh, I grew up living in fight or flight the first, I would say, 11, 12 years of my life. So I didn't know any better. When you grow up in an environment like that, you just assume that the world is this way. And so a lot of my formative years were spent just learning how to survive, learning how to read situations, learning how to spot trouble, learning how to stay out of bad situations. And even though I'd had that priming, when I was a teenager, I started to become sort of Uh, I don't want to say a victim of my environment, but just really I was living up to my predisposition. I was surrounded by kids that were doing drugs and breaking the law. And so from dealing with all of my childhood traumas, traumas being living through drive-by shootings and seeing somebody get shot, somebody get stabbed, you have all this PTSD. And so once I got to high school and all my friends were basically acting out. It was like a, you know, lower income environment. So I started to act out and I ended up getting in trouble with the law a couple of times. And really that was what set me on my path because even though my entire childhood up until my teenage years, it felt like I was watching my life happen it didn't feel like me. It didn't feel like who I was. It was always this energy of observing what this person was doing in their life. It was the observation of going through the motions of what everybody else was doing because you learn through modeling behavior. So during that time, I had this sort of you know, like aha or wake up moment as some would call it because I didn't want to go to jail. And I wondered what it would be like to make a different choice. And now making that kind of a choice means a few different things. Making a different choice means that you're basically excommunicating yourself from your tribe, which is scary. And doing something outside of the norm also means that there is no foreseeable path. You have to basically make your own path. There's no model. There's no uh, mentors. There's nobody else that's going to be doing what you want to be doing. So essentially you're going into the unknown. And I remember back when I was that age, uh, I asked One of my aunts, I was having this conversation with her because I was telling her that I really wanted to have a different life. I didn't want to be like everybody else. And she basically said, better the devil you know than the devil you don't. In a sense, saying, if you do it the way that you want to do it, there's at least you know what to expect being in the environment that you're in, right? As opposed to going and doing whatever you think is the right thing to do. So, but I did, I I made the different choices and I, I let go of my friends. That was very scary because it's not, there's so many layers to that disconnection. It's not just, Oh, I have to find a new friend group. There's some, you know, a tribal 
things involved. Like you are in a place where you are friends with these people who are parents and family members are in gangs and now you're rejecting them. So what does that say about you? And now you're an enemy. There's a lot of that fear and anxiety that resulted in actually us moving around a little bit still within the East LA area. Um, but that taught me how to be adaptable. And it actually gave me the opportunity to disconnect from being with people, right? So I think this really ties into what you're, you're saying, because having this experience as a teenager, when you, I feel that it's the most important time for you to be connecting with your friends is when you're forming, when you're trying to figure out who you are. And in order to not get in trouble, I just spent those two, three years of high school, three, yeah, three and a half years of high school in the library, like just, you know, doing, reading, um, spending time with my other co-librarians that were in there because they were, had detention and just not putting myself in a situation where I actually had to be engaging with other people. Uh, this is actually where I found yoga and meditation and mindfulness. And I started to learn more about uh, these spiritual practices. And, and that's really what set my path. I was able to find something that really resonated with me. And I, it just really spoke to me at the right time. I didn't know the first time I meditated and I heard the voice inside my head or the, well, whatever was happening, that awareness, consciousness or whatever you may call it. I was scared because I, I was like, who is this person? What is this thing that's inside my head? That's telling me these things or makes me feel a certain way. And that's where I started to dive in deep. And I got to a place where I'd never then felt that sense of awareness of who I actually was, right? That, that awareness, that realization that, oh, this is me. This is who I am. I'm not this person that's outwardly angry and scared and anxious all the time. I am a person that can do different things that can achieve a level of happiness and peace and joy. And so that really helped, especially at the time I was suffering from debilitating panic attacks. So all of this kind of came together and opened up my, my eyes, this new way of being where I wanted to be spending my time and what I wanted to be doing. And it took many years before I actually first did my yoga teacher training I decided that I wanted to make it my life. And, and fortunately, I've been able to do that. And um, it went through, again, a lot of ups and downs to try and figure out exactly how I wanted to, to do this because of how much value it brought into my life. I knew that I wanted to bring this to people like me mm -hmm. that grew up the way that I did as a form of healing, as a form of connecting, as a form of being able to spiritually empower yourself to get to know yourself at a deeper level so that you can connect with others in a more efficient way. And now here we are. That was yeah. long. -winded. No, it was beautiful. But I, I'm going to go back to something you said very early on, which I want to ask you more about is that you said that you always felt like you were sort of observing your life mm. and that it wasn't really who you truly were. 
Tell me more about that. I'm really interested in that. Yeah, I I just was very disembodied as a child. I think just because the tra- all the trauma that I went through, there was just so much. I I didn't. The disembodiment came to me in the form of I observed a lot of my life. I didn't feel like I was in my body. I felt that everything that happened, I always always either imagined or felt that I was watching everything. Like the me that I am, I saw myself, even as a child, almost think about it like when kids speak in third person type of thing. Mm -hmm. And so I always felt that I was playing a role as a child up until I was yeah, about 10 or 12, that it felt very much like an, like I was acting, like I have to act like Rosie, like this is the Rosie that I have to act like. And I have to go through these motions because this is who I quote, unquote, quote, unquote, who I am. And so I, I don't know when that started, but from the earliest memories I, I have has always been me observing my life from this high, higher vantage point until I, I started to practice until I was a teenager. Then I realized I'm like, oh, I have a body. Like I have a body. There is a body here. It's not just for doing drugs and um, drinking alcohol <laughs> and, mm-hmm. and just you know, treating my body like garbage and eating garbage. And there is a body here. And I, I am, there is an integrative process that needs to happen here so that I can feel fulfillment in my life and not just, yeah, be, be this thing. I, it's weird. I, I've never had anybody ask me about that. And I've, I've talked about it in therapy several, um, several times, but it's, it's interesting. I don't know. What do you think about that? What is it? So, so what I, what's coming up for me is, you know, so much of the philosophy in yoga and sort of the idea of the observer, right? I'm not going to use all the Sanskrit words, but like that observer that sits, you know, outside of you and watches everything that's going on. And when is that connection made between the mm. observer that sits outside of you and it connects to the, uh, the, the soul, the observer whatever you want to call it, that's within you, that knowing that's within you. So it's almost like what, what's coming up for me as you're talking about this is like, you had that observer and you had some awareness of it, but it was completely separate than this vehicle that, that carries our soul, right? You know, yes. there's this belief, I mean, in, in, in the Ayurvedic tradition and the yoga traditions that, you know, our body, our physical body is the the container for our soul to do its work in this lifetime. Right. And, but then there is this, this piece of this higher self, this observer that's observing and and looking at everything. And when you can make that connection between the soul that is embodied within your body and your mind to that higher self, that's awareness or, you know, uh, consciousness, almost like that's that connection to self, right? I mean, we talk about that in Ayurveda and yoga, you know, Ayurveda is this idea that it's a manual for living, but it's this 
consciousness, this, it, it, this conscious awareness, this conscious living, that's what Ayurveda is asking you to do. And even yoga. Mm-hmm. So that's yeah. what's coming up for me. I don't know. Yeah, no, I love that. I think it's so true. I guess it's not, uh, I, I understand that the integration is vital for our thriving, for our ability to just feel I'm not to say that you can't feel the joy of life. I'm, I think that just for a lot of people that want to feel the fulfillment of life, I believe that that integration is part of what, what needs to happen or part of what we're searching for in life. And that's why we turn to a lot of these practices. And as a, as a young child, for me, like I was raised Catholic. And so my belief system was very uh, rooted in dogma and this idea that we, if you do bad things, bad things will happen to you. And I had a a lot of, uh, cognitive dissonance about that because I didn't understand how my grandmother and my family was very devout. Uh, and we would have these prayer circles every week at our house. And it was like Sunday church, Monday prayer circle, Tuesday, the grandmas get together and do the rosary. We always took a lot of, you know, immigrant families that were coming in, even though we didn't have the space for it, but we would feed them and give away our clothes, you know, to their kids and just kind of teach us that it's important for us, even though like we weren't well, well off ourselves, but the fact that the little we had, we were taught to give it away. I think really helped instill this idea of the importance of of giving and the importance of being helpful. And I remember asking my grandmother at one point, I write about this in my book, if God is so great, why do bad things keep happening? And I remember her getting very agitated with me. Like I shouldn't be questioning God. I shouldn't be asking questions. And then I learned those are formative things that you insert in your psyche as a child. Okay. Do not question authority. Even Mm -hmm. if authority is in my mind, I thought God was doing all of it. Like if God is only doing good things, who's doing bad things. It's, Oh, it's, you know, the devil's doing the bad things and there's this fight against good and evil, but then why, but then why am I praying to a God that's not fixing this? You know what I'm saying? So there was always, <laughs> there's always that question of doubt, right? Not doubt, but just understanding that cognitive dissonance. So when I found yoga and I started to study more of these uh, ancient uh, spiritual belief systems, that resonated more to me because it put the onus back on the individual. It put the onus back on, I'm a flawed human being. People are flawed. People do things um, because they're conditioned that way, or that's, you know, they may have had trauma or there's a lack of opportunity, or there is severe oppression of certain types of peoples, you know, that kind of thing that you, you just don't understand. There's a story that I talk about as well as you're forming the mind as you're, as a child of, uh, I asked this question of lying because to me, uh, I was taught to lie at a young age. 
because there would be things that happened in our neighborhood that the police would show up and you needed to lie because if you didn't lie, then something bad was, would surely happen to you or your family. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's a really, really messed up way of growing up. So then mm-hmm. when it comes to what you believe in your faith, then it's confusing because you ask then is the same thing happening with my relationship to God? Am I supposed to continue to live this life even though bad things still happen? Why do I need to pray then? Why do I need to continue to devote all of this time if in fact maybe he's not listening, you know? Yeah. So what's really interesting is is I mean there's two different things that you've talked about is sort of this turning point that you had when you were faced with having to go to prison for some reason, right? For, for getting into trouble. Mm-hmm. But then you're also talking a lot about this, this dissonance that you had about, about faith and God and spirituality and perhaps what you were being taught versus what you were feeling, what your higher consciousness, this observer was saying, what, what you felt inside. And so what do you think was really sort of the, the catalyst almost or the turning point? And it may be more than one thing that really sort of set you on this path. Yeah, uh, it's a really great question. Uh, so when I was going through all of those uh, emotions as a teenager and I didn't want to go to jail and I wanted to change my life, I, I felt that I didn't have a purpose. And I basically asked God that if there was a reason for me to be here, he, she needed to show me, or I didn't see the point of living. You know, Mm. I, I was at that point. And I think that was the point where I just felt like, there was no plan. It wasn't like I was there, but there was this deep sadness that I felt. And I didn't understand why there was no, I didn't feel that there was a reason to stay here. And really that I think was the big catalyst because in doing what I did in having the opportunity, there was like a lot of little things that happened in that. I want to say in that week, but you know, sometimes when you think back, I'm like, was it in a week or was it a couple of days? Was it a month? I don't remember. But in my mind, it felt like in a week, so many things changed. It was like, you open yourself up to the divine and the divine will show up. The divine will come in. And so many incredible things happened at that time. I interacted with so many people. I think I ended up getting a job that same week. And I, I met this really incredible um, woman at the beach one day and, and I was sitting contemplating my life and she just basically put things into perspective for me. And I just felt something else. It almost felt like that integration from that observer place came into my body and said, no, like, here we are, here we are, here I am. Now we can begin. And it's weird that I say that because that is 
that is what it feels like. And that's, I remember that vividly that those words were what happened in my mind. Like now we can begin. I didn't know what that meant. Wow. I didn't know where it came from or who said it or where I heard it, but it felt very, I mean, I can feel it now that same. It was almost like I came in and I'm like, here I am now let's live your life. This is what you're supposed to be doing. And so then, you know, not to say that we've not had some ups and downs, but I think that was that moment. Wow. I have to take that in for a second. My, my whole body is tingling just hearing you say that now we begin or now we can begin. I mean, that's profound. And to be able to remember it, that was years ago for you, right? Yeah, so, it, was long, it was a long time ago. It's more yeah. than half ago. And for you to have that memory is significant, profound. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, wow. yeah. And what what's more beautiful than that, because to me, I, I think about it as just like a, a mile marker in my life. What was beautiful for me is when I started to practice yoga and I started to read the yoga sutras of Patanjali, the first yoga sutra is, and now the practice of yoga. And I've seen, I've read many translations and the one that I had read at that time, it was, it was, and now begins the practice of yoga. And, and I remember that. And I integrate, when I found that to me, there was, it was like a mental explosion. My mind was blown. I was like, Oh my God, this is so, this is it. This is the sign that I've been waiting for. This is the thing that I'm supposed to be doing. And so there was never a doubt in my mind that this was my path. I never doubted that. I never doubted that this would be the way that I would find that connection that I would feel the, the highest connection to myself was through yoga and meditation and mindfulness. I've read in different places, uh, you know, interviews with you and even on your website that you talk about the whispers from within. Is that, do you think that maybe is like the first whisper, the real? Yeah, I would definitely say that that was the biggest one that the one that definitely made it, it was so poignant that it, physiologically left a cellular impression. Mm-hmm. Like I remember exactly where I was, what I was doing, the feeling, and it felt like a, a leaded weight was dropped that felt so permanent. Mm-hmm. You know, it was like, okay, this is now here, or maybe it was always there. And I just realized that it was there, but it felt very grounded, very clear. You know, sometimes people, when we're trying to make decisions about something in our life, or we're looking for something, we're wanting a change, we're wanting a transformation. Oftentimes we, we go back and forth between deciding and not deciding, and we're indecisive about starting something and not. And there's this, we're uncertain because especially as we get older, it gets worse because now there's more at stake. Now you got responsibilities and there's all kinds of uh, things to consider. But then there are those moments where something is just so clear and you just know, you just know in your heart, you just know. And I always like to think that 
your heart always knows the answer. Your heart always knows it is connected to your highest good. It's the mind that gets in the way sometimes with ifs, ands, shoulds, shouldn'ts that stops us from doing what we want to do. But if we give ourselves the time, the space, and the patience, that thing becomes so clear. And there is no question. Think about it in terms of like loving a child or loving a pet or loving your partner. There's no, you don't ever quite, you don't wake up and question, should I love my dog today? Mm-hmm. Or should I love my partner today? Right. You just do. And you know, you do. There is no debate. I feel that a lot of the times when we're in a situation where we're wanting to make a decision that's going to impact our life, that knowing is there. It's just a matter of quieting the mind to be able to recognize the clarity of that. Mm -hmm. And so how do you think you can connect to those whispers that are within? I mean, I talk a lot about that, but I'd love your perspective. Before having COVID, I would say, just sit and meditate. Just give yourself, just sit there, just sit there and close your eyes and inquire within. Really all the answers are there. Um, but, but post having COVID, uh, you know, a lot has, a lot has changed. And it's one of those moments where I felt like, oh, this is one of those other next chapters. Like there was the the pre COVID Rosie, and now there's the post COVID Rosie. And I would say, see yourself reflected in those that you love. Lean on the people in your life that you are most connected to at a heart level, not just a superficial level, but at a heart level. And lean on them for support. Lean on them to help you see what is already present. and. Once you have that assist from your beloveds, it's a lot easier to hear the whispers that are there. Sometimes I feel like when we try to do everything, I'm the person and you and I were so like, we're wanting to do all of the things. We'll do everything. I'll do the inquiry. I'll do the inventory. I'm going to do all of the, and then I'm going to have a career and I'm going to do all the things. And I'm also going to solve all my own problems. Mm -hmm. I feel like for us, especially for us, it's so important to lean on those that love us so much, that support us to decipher what is best, to ask for help. I love what you're saying because it's not about going on this path by yourself completely. Yes, it's a journey within for sure. But I think what's so profound about what you're saying is that allow those whispers that are within to be reflected back to you if you are willing to look for that reflection, right? It's sort of like, you know, when many people will say that you have conflict or you have these different things going on in your life, things get reflected back to you. And we're always looking at it for maybe the negative or what I hate saying negative or bad or good, but we're always looking at it. Um, in times of like great difficulty or in conflict with others of like, 
what's being reflected back to me. I mean, I know that's a lot, a lot of people who are in this world will talk about that, but I think what you've said is so profound and beautiful because you're actually saying, well, what about if we look for the reflection of ourselves in the most beautiful in the most high, the highest way of what, what's coming from within us. And then we can understand more. Yes. Really amazing to think about it that way. Yeah. I love that. I love the way that you paraphrased it. (laughs) And what I said, but yes, thank you so much. Wonderful. And so what you're saying, you know, so this is really interesting because one of, one of the questions I had for you is how do you think your connection back to yourself has helped with your connection with others? Because when you first started your story way back at the beginning of this conversation, you said, I had to make some choices about, you know, about choosing a different path of not being connected to that tribe. But how is that? Has it changed for you? How has it changed? Yeah, that's a really great question. I don't actually know that it has changed much. I I think I'm still definitely that same 15 year old girl. Uh, I still dress like her. Um, (laughs) I very much still feel a connection to her. Um, I really do believe that in order to connect with other people to engage, my big thing is engagement, right? Connection is different than engagement connecting, I could be connected to the process of writing, but me being engaged in the process of writing is different. It's more tactile. It's more involved. It's more embodied. And so my intention behind connection is always the aim for engagement to be engaged in it. So for me, I think about it in terms of the relationship I have to myself and really treating myself like I do somebody that I love and that can be hard. It can be very difficult for some people, but I have always felt very autonomous in my thinking. I've always felt very much rebellious since I was a little because I was the youngest and I felt that I had to break the rules all the time because my older sister was always so intelligent and great and behaved and is still to this day, like one of the smartest people I know. So I then wanted to be loud and, you know, rambunctious and just troublemaker because I, that just, that's what I wanted to do. It took a long time for me to get to a place where I can really feel the love I have for myself. And I definitely had to rearrange my thought processes to think about myself as a child, that child that was really scared during the first drive-by shooting. So I learned that I need to take care of myself first before I can take care of other people, because I'm very much, I'll give it all up. I'll empty out my battery to help everybody else before I help myself, I'll deplete myself. I'll push myself until I can't. And my body basically gives way. So this has been a process over the last 15, 20 years that I've been doing this. And I can't say that I've mastered it, but I definitely do feel that you have to put the oxygen mask first. And that's the way I think about it. 
if I can't care for myself, nobody else will do it. And nobody else will do it as good as I do it. Yeah. And so what's coming up for me is that, you know, this connection, um, engagement, whatever you want, however you want to define it, it really comes from first connecting to oneself, because I think it is very hard to connect and engage with someone on a very deep level or another person, another human being, if you can't even connect to yourself, it's a very superficial sort of connection. And so I do think that I think, you know, for me, connection has always been about connecting to self first, um, in a deep way. Um, so I think that's, you know, it's, it's a, it's a great lesson or a great thing to think about is how, um, because I think, you know, we always want to talk about connecting to other people, especially, you know, after this past year of being in a pandemic where it's been so difficult. And, you know, one of the gifts from my perspective of the pandemic is that we've all sort of been forced into this time of maybe trying to reconnect with ourselves. And so I wonder, you know, we're still seeing the effects of that, of what, what's going to happen. I think it's going to be really, really interesting. Um, I know we've been talking for a long time. I, there's one question I wanted to ask you really quick. If there was one thing that you could tell your younger self, what would that be? You know, for the initial thing that just came up when you said that is I wouldn't say anything. I would just like hug her, give her a big, big hug. Um, but I would just, I would say, just keep going. Just keep going. That's all. Hmm. Beautiful. Yeah. I mean, that's really the only thing that we can do is, is to just keep going, keep going. You're I think about that. I thought about that when I first quit my job and I decided to become a yoga teacher full time. Everybody was so scared. Everybody had an opinion. <laughs> my mom was so afraid that I wasn't going to have health insurance and yeah. just completely concerned and people telling me that I wasn't going to achieve a level of success that I desired and, you know, all these things. And um, yeah, and I remember telling uh, telling my mom, like, it's okay. I have faith for both of us. So it's going to be fine. I'm not worried. And, uh, I remember that that was my mantra to just keep going. I just didn't care. I didn't care that I didn't have any money in my bank account. I didn't care that I didn't have any students. I, I just, I just kept going, you mm -hmm. know, and, and here we are now. Yeah. Let's just keep taking the next step. Yes. I had the same experience, same experience of people telling me I was nuts to do what I was doing. And I just, it's like, I just got to follow what, what I know inside. It's not for everybody. No, it's not. Yeah. And that's okay. And that's yeah. okay. Cause totally. we all have, we all have our ways that we're going to contribute. Can I ask you quick, real, yes. really quick, a few speed Let's round questions. Okay. Wonderful. So complete this sentence. Wellness is. Love. Mm, yes. What is one myth about healing that we need to change that it requires thousands of dollars i agree with you it's actually completely free um what is something that people often get wrong about you i think people forget how gritty i am like people just see the facade they see me on the cover of yoga journal or they'll see this avatar in public you know and they don't realize that i'm like you know, I grew up in East LA, <laughs> you know, people forget that I am 
I'm there are a lot of uh, unlearned behavioral things that I just will never unlearn. It's just part of who I am. So yeah, I think people forget that. And I say that really in terms of the way I speak and how vulgar I can be sometimes, you know, people forget and they're sometimes shocked and I have to reel it in occasionally. (laughs) What is something that most people don't know about you? Oh God. You know, I, I love watching TV. I do. And I like watching really bad reality TV. I'll just leave it at that. Okay. Yeah. It's funny because people think that when you're in this world that you don't watch TV or you don't yeah, like yeah. listen to, you know, whatever kind of music or whatever. It's funny. Yeah. Oh yeah. No, I definitely am all of the above. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, what is one thing that you're really excited about right now? Oh my God. I'm just, I'm just excited to be alive. I'm excited to be here here. as um, I believe in us. I believe in the love that exists within every human being. And I don't like being pessimistic. I am a hopeful, optimistic person at my heart. And so I know that what we're going through right now we're going to get through it and we're going through it because we needed to wake up and we're in a place now where we are, we have an opportunity to really make things better. And, uh, in order to build things, we need to break things down. Yeah. I agree hundred percent with you. What book is on your nightstand right now? Oh, um, it's this uh, mystery thriller novel called uh, We Were Never There by Andrea Bartz. Um, and it's really good. Really? Okay, I'll have to look it up. This is how I get all my new book recommendations. Oh, my yeah, great question. <laughs> so this feels like a really good place for us to come full circle. So if I offer up the phrase to catalyze healing, what comes up for you? I feel that for a lot of my experiences in healing or the healing space or, or people that I've worked with, you always have to be ready. You have to be willing. There has to be a desire. The willingness and the desire uh, go hand in hand. I could have a desire to be well, to be healed, to be better. But I, I also have to have the will to do so. I have to have the drive to do what I need to do in order to achieve that. Be at whatever form of medicine that you practice, there has to be a will to want to be healed. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, that's what, what came to mind. Thank you. <sighs> Thank you. This has been beautiful. I appreciate it. I appreciate you so much. Thank you so much for having me on and for doing this. I will have you again. We have many more conversations to come. Thank you, Rosie. Thank you. If you love this podcast, and I so hope you did, please subscribe. That way you'll get real-time updates anytime I post a new episode. And if you're feeling really inspired, 
please leave a review so that others can find this podcast more easily. If you want to learn more, visit me on the interwebs at avantikumarsingh.com and you can subscribe to my newsletter where I send exclusive invites to my events, special announcements, and give you more self-healing tools and tips. And if you want to hang out even more with me, I spend most of my time on Instagram. You can find me at Avanti Kumar Singh, and we can connect more there. Until next time, remember, with the right catalyst, you have the power to activate your own healing, because healing starts within.